You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Good Saturday morning to everybody and welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Great to see you, Rob. You're looking good. Hey there, Gary. How are you? I'm hanging in there, my friend. You got good How was your hear. week? How was your week? It was a good week this week. I mean, I'm, you know, the weather's getting a little nicer. Yeah. I got a pep in my step with good. the, you know, with the nicer weather. I get excited about the, you know, this time of year, the spring oh, yeah. because it's like Finally, we get out of that depression, right? We had a pretty mild winter, though, all things considered. I'll agree with you. It was a mild winter, but it was still cold for this Florida boy. Well, you've been here now how long, though? Oh, gosh. Uh, I've been here now around, let's see, 15, 14 years. Yeah, so then you know. You've, you've, you've acclimated and assimilated yourself into uh I have, but I still miss it. I still don't like the cold weather, so I'll take you know the beach or sun or pool any day. That's for sure. I'm surprised you don't live on the shoreline then. You know, it's obviously we always got to consider the uh, cost of housing. It's more down there in many areas. But um, to be blunt with you, Gary, I don't think Connecticut beaches are that great. I mean, they really are. I don't well, like the sand. They're rocky. They are rocky. I like the I like the beaches down in Florida where it's like sugar, the sand. Yeah. You put it in your hands, it just falls out like sugar. I've been to the beaches in, in uh, Connecticut, several of them, and I won't call them out by name, but the ones on the shoreline I've been to, like, you can't even walk barefoot because it's so dang rocky. And one of my pastimes I love is being able to just walk along the shoreline and stuff. So when I want to go in the summer locally, I actually head up to Maine. You know, I find the main beaches to be a lot better than Connecticut. I do. Really? I do. Way nicer. And a lot of them, you can bring dogs out on the on the beach. You can't do that in a lot of areas of Connecticut during the summertime. So, um, you know, you got to find what works for you. The only thing is the water is so dang cold up there. Yeah, but you not know? in August or July. It's still pretty really? cold. Oh, it's still pretty cold in August. But, you know, when it's 70, 80, 90 degrees out on a really hot summer day, that cold weather's nice. It is. And I've talked about it before. I do plan, and I've got a plan of action in play to ultimately get a vacation home, you know, in a beach, in a uh, vacation area in Florida, down okay. south, something like that. So that's my long-term plan, but I'm glad to see that at least we're starting to get to that nicer time of year. That's yeah, really- I'm I'm still looking. I'm not going to, you know, I'm looking for a house and, and I'm not looking for shoreline either. Uh, like you said, it's I mean, they're pretty pricey. Pretty down pricey. Right the closer you get down to the water, but I found a couple of you know a couple of negatives. I can deal with a negative and a positive, and they kind of you know cancel each other out. You know, if I'm going to have a higher interest rate, then I want a lower cost of the house. If I'm going to have a higher cost of the house, then I want a lower interest rate. One usually cancels out the other, and uh, everybody's happy to some extent. All right, but you know, is it too good to be true to have a low interest rate and a low cost of the house? You know, that's a I double positive. I, I think it but is I too good to be true, though, yeah. right now. It is. But how But I, well, how about you don't want anything that's a double negative, neither. You don't want a high interest but, rate and a higher price But what if it's a double negative today and in a year it's a double positive? Well, then I wait for a year. Right, but you miss out on the price of the home. See, oh. what you got to realize is that when the rates come down, which they will, look what happened in 2020. Look what happened in 2021 when the rates were low 
and home buyers were out in full force. That's where you saw the ridiculous overbidding. That's where you saw the 50,000 over ask. But they're still doing that. They're not. No, they're not. Not on a consistent basis. One-off homes that are in high demand, areas that are in high demand. Yeah, you are seeing that. But I've got multiple clients. I can't tell you a client I've seen pay over ask in the last three months. Okay, not one. They've either gotten it at the list price or under the list price. So that's a big shift from before. So what I'm saying is buy the house, okay, marry the house, but date the rate. Only keep that rate as long as you have to. For some people, that might be six, eight months. For some people, that might be a year or two. But you can lock in your housing costs now. You can lock in your price of your house now. But if you step back and you wait till the rate is lower, great, Gary. Now you're getting a 4% rate, but you're paying 30 grand more than you would have paid now. If you actually do the numbers on that, you're better off with the lower price and the higher rate. You are. That's just the numbers. That's just the facts. Anybody can go and take a calculator and do that. Yeah, because you can refinance. No, I get that. And I know the negatives of refinancing. I know the closing costs. I've been doing this long enough. I hear it every day. I hear it every day. But is it a good return on investment? If you invest thousands of dollars in closing costs and you save money on that mortgage, what's your break even? And I know in your case, you plan on keeping this house for a long time. So there isn't an answer that everyone is going to agree with here because everyone's different. And you may end up getting a much lower mortgage rate than you think because, again, you're not locking it in today. But what I want to instill in you and everyone else is you know, that you do marry that house. Make sure it's the right house for you. Make sure you want to stay there a long time and make sure it checks all your boxes. But once you've done that, understand that you're just dating the interest rate. You're just getting that interest rate for a certain period of time, whether that be a year or a couple of years, guaranteed you're not keeping it for the full 30-year term. So if you can afford it, if you can afford the monthly mortgage payment at the higher rates of today, then know that in the next couple of years over the long term, you're going to have the opportunity to lower that. So now you've got the great house and the low rate. Now you've got that double positive. Okay, that's the motivation I want to instill in you that I've been doing with my clients because it works and it's true. How low do you think the interest rates will go? You're not, not going to see one point nine percent. No, anymore. no, no. I mean, in a most opportunistic and optimistic standpoint, four to five is the lowest that I can see the interest rates going. And I think that that's a great level. Like even when the rates dipped into five, five and a half last year, there was a frenzy of people coming in. So imagine if they get to four, four and a half. It's a it's a great thing. Those COVID rates that people brag to their buddies about at the bar every single night across this country, those are gone. If you got it, great. But that interest rate doesn't pay your credit card bill this month. That interest rate doesn't buy you a new house, doesn't get you your dream home. And that interest rate definitely isn't help funding your retirement. So when you step back from the, the glimmer, that shimmer of that beautiful rate, you'll realize a mortgage is about a lot more than that. And that's really where today's show is taking us is I want to crack the code for our home buyers today. You know, when everyone talks about mortgages and the guidelines and everything, there's there was always a part of me that said, like, is there a better way to do this? Is there a code to crack? Remember in the old days when we play the video games and you'd f- get like the codes to put it in and you'd get firepower or you'd get this super high jump that would make you be able to get to that finalization, to be able to beat that level that much easier. And everyone would always go, gosh, what is he doing? How does he have it so easy? How is he beating that level and nobody else can? And it was because of the cheat codes, okay? So 
I'd like to say that there are some cheat codes for mortgage and it's really about knowledge and a lot of it has to do with your team. You know, we'll dive into that. But today's show, I want to talk about the secrets to qualifying for a mortgage quickly and easily and exactly what you need to know in today's market. All right, then what are some of the most common reasons why a mortgage application would get rejected? And more importantly, how can you avoid this from even happening? So let me split my answer up on this to two sections. First is the common reasons why a mortgage application gets rejected. And then my second part of the answer is going to be, what can you do to avoid this completely altogether? So some common reasons why mortgage gets rejected. Insufficient income, meaning you are applying for a mortgage that you cannot afford on paper. Okay, you don't have enough. Your income is insufficient to afford that. A lot of the time it might be because you have other debt that's holding you back. All right, the next one's going to be you're unable to document your income. So maybe you get money from some places in cash under the table. Maybe you don't report all of your business income on your tax returns. These are going to be reasons that it's going to be you know, very difficult or impossible to document your income. Your mortgage could be denied or declined for that. High debt to income ratio. This is a very common reason that people get denied for a mortgage. And it typically means that you've got too much other debt on your credit report. So maybe it's student loans, car loans, uh, credit card debt, medical bills, something that's additional on top of the mortgage that you're looking to take out. And it's of such a high level that it's making your debt to income outside of the normal levels that we can actually approve you for. So you'll be declined for a mortgage because of that. Low credit score. I mean, everyone knows that you can't get a mortgage with a super low credit score. Like if your credit score is 300 or 400, Many people didn't even know they went that low, but they do. And when you got a credit score that low, like under 600, it's very difficult to impossible to get a mortgage at all. And we might look at your application, run your credit, and immediately say you don't qualify because it's so low. I like to take a little bit more of a constructive approach of what can you do to get it up, but understand a very common reason why people's mortgages get denied is because of that credit score requirement. Low equity or not enough down payment. So this is a big one too, not having enough money to put down. Maybe you only have two grand in your bank account and that's all. Well, it's safe to say that you're not going to be able to buy a house with that little amount of money. So of course, the price range you're looking in plays in, the actual like property taxes, all these other things like go into figuring out how much money you're going to need, but not having a large enough down payment is important, especially if you're buying like a second home or investment property where you need to put many times 20, 25, 30% down. I had a guy apply with me yesterday that said he wanted to put 5% down on an investment property. Not going to happen, but he didn't know that. So we had to guide him, right? So not having enough down is going to be a, a reason. So those are the main reasons why a mortgage gets declined. But how can we avoid this? We're talking about all the reasons why it can't be done. How do you avoid it? Well, you want to get prepared way ahead of time so that we can actually solve these problems before they come up. So working with that knowledgeable mortgage advisor, working with that professional who understands the guidelines to get these issues ironed out before they become a problem. If I meet with you six months or a year before you're ready to buy a home and we identify issues to be fixed, it's not a big stress. It's not a big problem. But if you come to me ready to buy a home or maybe you already went under contract on your home and now you're trying to get pre-approved or get a mortgage not going to happen. It's too late and it can create a big problem. So make sure you're working with someone that understands creative solutions and has those uh, resources to get you into the different programs. Lenders must consider some key factors though, when determining whether or not 
to approve a mortgage yep. application. So key factors are going to be your credit score. Like we said, you know, 600 or less is very difficult to impossible. The higher your credit is, the easier it's going to be to get approved. I love when I have a client come in that's got, you know, a 720, 750 plus credit score. It just makes our jobs a lot easier. And it's a lower rate too, right? Of course. In most programs, the higher credit score does get you a lower rate, especially unconventional. Um, another thing is we're going to be looking at your income. So just because you're self-employed, you're not disqualified. Just because you're on Social Security or pension, you're not disqualified. Whatever income you get, we're going to be looking at that. Pension, Social Security, job income, self-employment. Maybe you have a couple businesses. You sell stuff online. There's so many different ways people generate income today in, in our current economy. We're going to look at all that. The key is that we have to be able to document it. Okay. Um, there are certain no documentation loan programs for investors. That's not the purpose of the show. I really want to hone more in on our first time and repeat home buyers. So we're talking about documenting your income. So make sure you've got that all situated. Employment history. We're going to want to know that you've been able to hold a job or have a business for a certain length of time. Most loan programs, we're looking at the last two years, the last 24 months. It doesn't mean you have to be on the same job for two years, but you have to have a two-year history of having employment. We're giving you a mortgage sometimes for 20 to 30 years, so we need to make sure that you've got that track record of being able to generate income and have some sort of employment or self-employment. So have your income history, employment history done for the last two years to tell your lender. Debt-to-income ratio is a big one. So we're looking at the total amount that you make gross before taxes are taken out if you're a W-2 employee. We're looking at your net profit uh, with a few adjustments, but we're looking at your net profit if you're self-employed. And then we're comparing that income figure to the debt that you're going to have after you take this new mortgage out. Mm. Okay. So what's your new mortgage payment look like with tax and insurance? Plus what's all your other debt? Do you have other properties? Do you have student loans, personal loans, car loans, leases? All that's going to come into effect. And if you have too much other payments in relation to your income, then you may not either not be approved for as much as you want to be, or you may not be approved at all, just depending on your level. And the last one here that we're considering when determining whether to approve or deny a mortgage application is going to be collateral. When you're getting a mortgage, you're getting a loan against a property. So we're going to be looking at that property. What type of property is it? Single family, multifamily? Is it a primary home? Is it an investment, secondary, that sort of thing? And what condition is the house in? If we had to foreclose and resell it, is it ready to go or is there work that needs to be done? What, what about, let's talk about debt to ratio, uh, or even a terrible credit score. What mm -hmm. can people, are there strategies that people can enact in order yeah. to better qualify them? There are. There are some great strategies. And this is one of those areas, Gary, that I love when a client comes to me 6 to 12, 18 months plus before they're ready because they know they have a problem. They know they have a challenge, but they don't know what the solution is. They just know it's out there, right? So what we're talking about is credit score is really your ability to pay your bills on time. So the more times you've paid late or not paid at all, the worse your credit score is going to do or going to be. What can you do to get that up? Well, start paying your bills on time, like immediately. It's that simple. Start paying your bills on time. You want to reduce your debt as much as you can. Now, this is a dilemma for a lot of people because a situation comes up where we go, well, I need to pay down my debt to get my score up, but I also need to save to, to get a down payment, right? I need to have my money to put down and I need to have money to be putting on credit cards or other debt to get that score up. How do I do both at one time? And my 
my advice has always been 50-50. That's how you do it. If you have an extra thousand bucks, put 50% of it on the credit cards or on the debt, put the other 50% towards your home buying fund, your down payment, that sort of thing. Don't completely neglect one thing to do another. I do believe you can do both. It may take you a little longer, but when you figure that it would take you just as long or more time if you just focused in on one, you can see why doing both at the same time, it helps. It really helps get to your scenario that you want to be at. So the levels that we want to be looking at with credit card debt is the 50-30-10 rule. So people just say, well, I'm going to pay off my credit card or I'm going to pay as much as I can on it. There's no direction that they have. How much are you going to pay it down? What level do you want to be at? So I have a software I use called Credit Expert that I can analyze my client's credit reports, and it'll spit out this information um, of exactly what level that the credit should be at, these uh, specific strategies. But for the purpose of giving generic advice to a large audience here all across the country, I want to use that 50-30-10 rule. So this is specifically about credit card debt, and it's what level you should have your balance at in relation to the credit limit. So the credit limit is the maximum amount that you can charge, and you'll find it online or on your statement where it says available credit or total credit limit. Mm -hmm. You want to keep your balance on that card to 50% of the limit, 30% of the limit, and then 10% of the limit. We dived into this on another show on credit myths and credit strategies, but today I'll just give you a taste of it. 50, 30, 10, so get your credit down. If it's a $1,000 limit, get your credit balance down to 500 or less. That's 50%. If you can get it to 300 or less, you'll get more points. That's 30%. And the icing on the cake, the cherry on top, is 10% of the limit or less. Contrary to uh, popular belief, you actually get more points on your credit having a very small balance versus paying it off in full to zero. So you can do either one, but if you're trying to squeeze out every point, having a little $20, $50, $80 balance, it may not be the end of the world. So that's a huge tip for you. The other thing is increasing income. Our income is the greatest tool that we have in building our wealth and saving, right? So when you've cut all the corners you can with saving money and you're doing everything possible, then I look at how do we increase our income? Are you at a job where you can work overtime? Look at that opportunity. There's so many online businesses and remote positions now. You can do this in addition to your current job. You can get a work-from-home position, maybe working at night in a call center or something like that, where you can bring in extra money every single week that can help you get to these financial goals and ultimately get to your home quicker. So getting a raise or higher-paying position is great. Just understand if you're getting a second job, two jobs requires a two-year history. So just keep that in mind. Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Of course, you can head online to his website at www.robgw.com and also write this phone number down, 860-413-3938. Of course, I will repeat both uh, points of contact as well as an email address when we get closer to the end of the show. All right, so Rob, how can you best prepare for the mortgage application process and like to, like let's say to streamline the process and you know and avoid common mistakes that yep. I, you've I've heard you for the last 2 years talk about yeah i would say the number one thing that you can do to prepare for the mortgage process is to have your documents ready we know we're going to need documents from you you know we're going to need documents from you save yourself the stress of like getting everything together at the last minute and get your last couple paycheck stubs Get your W-2 forms, your tax returns, your bank statements. Like, have that already. In today's day and age with the internet, 
most of these documents that we need can be gotten within just a couple of minutes. You can log on to your payroll system, download your W-2s and pay stubs. If you're self-employed, you can contact your CPA, get copies of your tax returns. Um, like this isn't very difficult. You can go onto your bank app or website and you can download the most recent couple months bank statements right away. So if you have the documents ready, you're going to be in a much better position where it can just flow quickly. The next thing is funds availability. So I will not sit here and say that I can't pre-approve you if you're a thousand dollars short on your money to close. We have a conversation and we can do that, but know where you're getting your money from. If you have family members that are giving you gifts, to get your down payment or closing money, know approximately how much you're getting or what your limitations are there. Know where you're getting the money. I'm getting mm -hmm. this much from savings. I'm getting this from my retirement fund or I'm going into my IRA. Like have a general idea of where the money's coming from okay. so that we can pre-approve you quickly and tell you what we're going to need. And the last thing is that lender relationship early on. You know, people still nowadays, they like to find the house first and then do the lender. We've talked about how that's the wrong way. So getting that lender relationship early on, even 6, 12, 18 months before you're right. ready, that's important. And you that's said that what many, I recommend. You said that many times. What if you've got a unique I don't know, like like an income or financial circumstance. Are there are there like special programs available? There for are, yeah. So like first time home buyers, there's some incentives and people that have unique financial circumstances. There's certain loan programs that are available now that weren't before. So what I'm talking about is like down payment assistance, those type of programs. Very low money down for first time buyers. Those sort of programs are available now for sure. Um, so, you know, talk to your lender about getting in on those unique financial circumstances. What I usually find is maybe that's someone who doesn't document their income as well. They own multiple properties. They can't qualify for a new mortgage. So there's these debt service loans or DSCR loans we've done a show on limited documentation loans. Those are going to be the prime programs for people that have unique circumstances that can't document their income. And also a lot of those programs do go down to like a 640 to 660 score. So, even if your credit's on the lower side of things, there are still options for you. Just a side note that for a lot of those more unique programs, specifically the limited income doc, no income doc, you do have to have a, a larger down payment. Uh, you do you can't get in on those with three or five percent down. You're needing to put more like twenty to thirty percent down. But for the first time buyers, the people just getting into the real estate game, understand that those first time buyer incentives, down payment assistance, and those low down payment options, that's what's out there for you. Like that's what the government has put in play to help really democratize home ownership, make it accessible to the average person out there. You know, buying a home with three or five percent down, thirty years ago, that wasn't happening. People take that for granted that now you can do that and they think it's a freebie. But if you can't afford a small amount down, you may not be ready to be buy, be a homeowner just yet. You may not be ready to buy a home. Well, well, yeah. That's why we do this show. You know, exactly. People. Important documents and information that you're going to need when you're applying for these and really to really keep them at hand. I mean. I would. I would. If you know you're applying for a mortgage in the next year, just keep these documents ready. So if you're W-2 income, which most people are, you get a W-2 from your job, they take taxes out, all that stuff. For that sort of position, it's going to be pretty simple. We need your most recent 30 days of pay stubs. We need your last two years of your W-2 forms. We need a copy of your driver's license. We need your bank statements for the last couple months. 
it's really that simple. And like I said, most of that you should be able to get from either your online banking or your online payroll system that your employer uses or their app on the phone. So that's W-2. Self-employed, if you're using a no-income verification loan, then it's going to be a lot easier. But for most, we're going to be looking at that full documentation. So we're going to need the last two years of your income tax returns. And I'm talking about your personal and your business returns. So if you're someone that has like a corporation or LLC that files a separate return, we're going to need both your personal and your business return for the last two years. Okay. Also, just like the other driver's license, last couple months of uh, bank statements and all that is going to be standard. Uh, no matter what type of loan you're getting, we're going to need to show your assets. So having those most recent two months of your bank statements and then also investment accounts, reserves like retirement, IRAs, 401ks, that sort of thing, annuities, and then, of course, like cash value life insurance, brokerage accounts with like Fidelity, Vanguard, these type of investments. You're going to want to have those most recent statements available or somewhat readily available so that you can give that to your lender to show the money you have available. Last is going to be divorce paperwork. If you're either getting divorced in the process or you got divorced any time in the last 10 years, we're probably going to ask for that divorce paperwork to show what money you owe or what money's owed to you. And last thing's going to be if you own multiple properties, we're going to need copies of the mortgage statement, the property taxes, and the home insurance for any and all properties that you own. All right. I'm running out of time. Um, pre-qualification and pre-approval for a mortgage. I yep. mean, uh, what, what are the benefits of these options? You have a short version of this? Pre-qualification is really just a conversation about what you're looking to do. Maybe we run your credit and give you a pre-qual letter. I don't do this anymore because of the market. I do a full pre-approval based on a full review of your credit, full review of all of your documentation, and we actually get an automated underwriting approval, which is a good thing because we know any potential issues that could come up. The pre-qualification just gives you a general estimate, whereas a full pre-approval gives you a stone-clad real number of what home you can afford and you're qualified for. So look at the pull, uh, the, the pre-approval as like the concierge service where we're looking at everything, dotting the I's, crossing you're ready the to T's. Go. Yeah. Pre-qual, just a basic conversation, no real commitment, not really good. And in this market, really holds no weight. So if a lender's only doing a pre-qual with you, you might want to look for a new one. All right. Do I have time for one more question? How about really quick? All if right. I got a short answer. How do you balance your short-term and long-term financial goals when applying for a mortgage? And, and really, if, if there's time, what factors should you consider? Can you do that in about 45 seconds? Let's do it. So <laughs> two-step process. We want to really look at that. The fact that you're going to buy a home and maybe you're going to pay you know, a little bit more. You're going to have a higher rate, but understand that that's not for life. That's not forever. We can restructure. We can manipulate and change around your loan in the future to make it more beneficial for you. So understand that short term, you're getting the house, but long term, we're going to reorganize everything to button it up, make it a little more uh, viable for you long term. Look at refinancing, that sort of thing. The next thing is paying off debt. How can you balance short term goals? If you pay off debt now, Short term, it's going to help you get into that dream home long term because your debt to income is going to be lower. That means you're going to qualify easier for a mortgage and maybe even get approved when you wouldn't before. So paying off debt is great. Get what you can now as long as it checks your boxes with an eye on the future and understanding you can restructure later. Folks, you have been listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. If you'd like more information on this show, as well as any of the others that we've recorded over the last, oh my goodness, two years, simply head on over to Rob's website. It's www.robgw.com. It's that simple. 
Uh, if you've got an email for us, maybe we can get your question answered on these very airwaves as soon as next weekend. Simply email us at Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. And if you'd like to make a consultation with Rob, and why wouldn't you? It, simply write this phone number down and give him a call, 860-413-3938. Again, 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. Until next Saturday morning, have a good one, everybody. So long. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.